Hebrews 11, and then we did a series on the Apostles' Creed. So if you're with us, welcome back. If you're new, we're in Hebrews. So if you have your Bibles, um, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the book of Hebrews. We'll finish this fall. Um, but as you turn there, I'll give you a moment, and then we're going to pray and get started. Uh, let's go ahead and do that. Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for this time. We're able to come together to worship you, to sing your praises, to open up your word, and to read in Hebrews and get back in the book of Hebrews. Father, I pray that you will illuminate our hearts and minds as we read and as we ponder uh, all the things uh, that are in uh, this text and this chapter. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will apply it to our lives and just help us to continue to grow in faithfulness to you, uh, that we would be faithful in all that we do as we live the Christian life, as we run the race that is set before us. Help us, Lord, to do it well and to do it faithfully and to glorify you in all that we do. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're on Hebrews 12. We'll, get, we'll read the passage here in a moment. We have a, a short passage this week. Um, but before we get there, I do want to give a short recap uh, of at least Hebrews 11. I'm not going to do the whole book because that'll, that'll take a little while. Uh, but I do encourage you, if you uh, maybe if you weren't with us uh, over the last year preaching through it, or even if you were with us, I, do, I would encourage you to read through Hebrews 1 through 11 over maybe this, over this next week uh, to just kind of re-familiarize ourselves with the book and all that has uh, taken place in it. But in Hebrews 11 specifically, we spent eight weeks in Hebrews 11 preaching through that text. And if you're not familiar with it, it's um, known as the Hall of Faith, that chapter. And o- over the course of that chapter, uh, it's an amazing chapter, um, but it really gets at the Old Testament saints and their faith. So like you see a lot, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses, by faith so-and-so, and we get examples of people of the faith and what they did in their life uh, in the Old Testament. And so we finished that, and now we're here in Hebrews 12, uh, and we see therefore. So let, let's read together uh, where we are. So Hebrews 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Amen. Um, so what, we're, what, he's, what the author of Hebrews is getting at in this chapter, just big picture-wise, uh, and what we're going to work through uh, this morning is the idea of the Christian life being a race, being a run. So when we think of the Christian life, the life that all of us are called to live uh, in you know, faithfulness to the Lord, uh, we can think about it, think about that as a race, and think through what that looks like together this morning, and we're going to unpack that. But just have that uh, in your frame of mind here as we work through it, that as we live this life, think about it as running a race. And so, uh, in thinking through this, uh, before we get to the race part, um, I'm going to be a traditional CrossFitter and tell you that I do CrossFit. So, you know, if you've ever been around people, that's kind of the stigma with people that do CrossFit is they'll be the first one to tell you that they do it, right? So I'm going to use an example here. Um, So if you're familiar with CrossFit, and if you're not, that's okay. There's uh, two people in the CrossFit space that compete. So there's the competitive side of CrossFit, and then there's the usual go-to-the-gym CrossFit, if that makes sense. And so on the competition side, 
There are two people that have just dominated the space for the last five years. T. Claire Toomey and Matt Frazier. If you don't know their names, that's totally okay. Just know that both of them have won the CrossFit Games five straight years. Completely dominated the space for five straight years. Both of them, one male, one female, competing in their respective fields. And that, that is an amazing feat. I mean, that's not, in any sport, regardless of what sport you enjoy and whatnot, winning five titles in a row of just utter domination is, is something that, uh, that should not be taken lightly. And one of the questions that people have had, both competitors of these two individuals as well as people like me who just like to watch, is how in the world did they do that? How did they, how did they compete at that level for five years? T is still competing. Matt retired last year. Um, but in Matt's retirement last year after winning his fifth title, we got more, a, a much bigger peek behind the curtain as how, how he did it. And over the course of the, year, over the several years of listening to podcasts and interviews and different things, and then when he retired, he made the point, he's like, look, I, I did this, like I, I competed, I won five straight titles, but I've given up a whole lot. No kids, like there's a whole bunch of things that he wants to do, so he retired so he can do it. But over that course of competing for those five years, he literally, everything in his life was oriented around winning the CrossFit Games. Literally everything. And that's what separated him from the rest of the competition. The other guys made, you know, they made um, compromises in their life to allow other things in. Matt didn't, which resulted in him winning. Now, there's obviously a lot to unpack there in terms of, you know, thinking through that from a Christian worldview and different things there. But the point I want to make in bringing it up is that he, both of them, had, you know, set in their minds their goal, what they were working towards, and they oriented their life towards that goal. So when they thought through how they were going to eat, how they were going to sleep, who they were going to hang out with, literally every aspect of their life was oriented around the goal that they set before them. Okay, so now for us, in thinking through this, our goal, looking to Jesus, right, looking to Jesus and running the race, our goal is to get to the end and to finish well and to finish faithfully. That is the way that we think through that. That's the way we think through the Christian life, is finishing the race well, which means doing it faithfully throughout the entire time to get to the end to be with Christ forever. That is what we think about. So in the Christian life and for us this morning, thinking about this text and as we start to work through it, it's thinking about that. How do we think through the Christian life and all the different components that involve the Christian life, the life that we live? How do we think through the different elements and things that we do in terms of seeking to be faithful to the Lord in it and helping us run the race well and to finish well and to finish faithfully to the Lord. That's the big idea this morning. And so, in thinking through that, again, who in here has ran a race of some variety at some point? Raise your hand. Okay. So, most people have run some kind of race. Um, good. And so, in thinking through that, right, and thinking about running a race, some important things to note are the conditions for the race, right? If you're going to sign up to run a race, probably a good idea to know what the conditions are, right? If you don't want to sign up for a race thinking you're going to run 800 meters and then it turns out you're running a marathon, right? That would be a bit of a shock and uh, pretty hard to comprehend. So some of the conditions that we need to think through for the race that we're set to run as Christians, uh, the Christian life, uh, there's a couple. So the first one is endurance. Notice where it says that we are, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's at the end of verse 1. So the first condition for our race, for the Christian life, is endurance. So the length, the way that we think through the Christian life, the way that we think through running uh, this race, is in terms of 
long duration, an endurance run. It's not a sprint. We're not running 400 meters. We're not running 800 meters, and then it's over, and you get to, you know, drink a fit aid and chill, right? That's not the case, uh, or body armor or whatever. No, it's endurance. And so I'm sure most people are, you know, are kind of tracking with this in terms of who's ever done a workout or a run, and you paced the run or the workout horribly, and you just hit a wall and crashed, right? Most people have probably done that. Try to say, I'm going to go run three miles. The first mile you run in like record, net, you know, neck breaking pace. And then the last two miles is just a disaster, right? Um, I literally, in writing this sermon earlier this week, or this portion of it, and thinking through this pacing idea, I literally went to CrossFit that afternoon, did a workout and paced horribly and literally stood there, looked at the clock and be like, you fool, you thought about this all, all morning and afternoon, and then here you are not pacing properly in the workout. Um, so I'm still doing it. I was going to pick on new people that come to CrossFit and don't know how to pace because you are starting, but then I did it myself. So I'll pick on me. I didn't pace well. And when that happens, we hit a wall, and we end up not, not finishing well, right? Because when you hit a wall like that, not pacing well, not starting, it's really difficult to recover and to continue on and to finish in a good time. I'm sure that makes sense, again, from an athletic standpoint. So how does that transition then to the Christian life? How do we think about that concept in the Christian life? Well, I'm going to give one example. Who in here has read Gospel Comes with a House Key? Anybody? I know all the family group leaders have. So it's a really good book if you've never read it. The Gospel Comes with a House Key. It's by Rosario Butterfield. The, the premise of the book is uh, Radical Ordinary Hospitality. So she writes that book around biblical hospitality from, from the scriptures, what the scriptures say, and then she, she and her husband models it really well. Uh, and so hearing her story in it is really helpful and eye-opening. But the idea behind the book is radical ordinary hospitality, the hospitality that's, that's so important for us as believers. So let's say you read that book. It's really helpful. You see all the scriptures and different things, and you just, you know, the Holy Spirit convicts you that hospitality is really important, and you want to grow in that, you want to develop that. Um, so let's say you go home and you say, hey, you, hey wife, uh, whoever your wife is, we're going we're gonna to be hospitable. We haven't done it before, but we're going to do it. Like, we're going to really, you know, embody this idea. It's biblical. It's important. Here's what the Scriptures say. It's, we're just going to embrace it, and we're going to run with it. Say, okay, here's the plan. We're going to have somebody over, at least some couple, every night of the week, seven days a week, forever. Who wants to sign up for that? All right, good. Yeah, me neither, right? <laughs> like, I love having people over to the house, but seven days a week, every week until death, um, we'll probably bring about death pretty quick, right? I mean, that's just going to be hard. Um, and so the point there, right, is, again, pacing and thinking through being faithful in different areas of life. There, there is a sense in which we have to take the pace uh, into consideration, what is the pace that you can sustain? There may be somebody out there that has worked up to the point, like Rosario, that can have people over seven days a week and forever, uh, but that you don't just start there, right? You have to get started. Another, another example would be, you know, new believers, gung-ho, ready to read the Word, gets in the Word, maybe has time in college because you can, you know, make that happen, and you read for like three hours a day for however long, which would be great, right? You're going to learn a lot. But then eventually that's not going to be sustainable for your whole life, most likely, to just do that. Um, and so if you end up flaming out, then what is the long-term effects of that? Does that make sense? So when you think through these things, the pacing um, comes into play, and that's where we think through life as being long-term, not over the course of a couple months. What can you sustain through your whole life and being faithful in these different areas 
of the Christian life. The next part, uh, so the next condition, when we're thinking through conditions for the race, is at the end of verse 1, look at the end of verse 1, where it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The race that is set before us. And so that's getting at the idea, and a, a lot of different ideas, but the, the one that all of us have a life to live. All of us have different experiences. All of us have, you know, different gifts and abilities and desires. Uh, all of us have some kind of direction that we're going to be faithful to God in and work and in play and various other things. So the race that is set before us, we're on some kind of trajectory because God is sovereign over all things that we are working towards whatever that is. So each one of us seeks to be faithful to God in our own lives, which we're also doing it together. So the race that is set before us, understanding that we can trust in God's sovereignty in all things as we run the race, as we live the Christian life. It's not, go, God did not say, go run the race and I'll see you at the end. Um, I'm going to go take a nap. Like, that's, that's not what happened uh, at all. That's not what happens in our experience or in reality. And so the race that is set before us, we all have a race to run. We must do it, do it faithfully, and we must trust in the Lord and be faithful in, in all of it all the way to the end. The last two I'll just briefly mention. The, the third one is suffering. Uh, we saw that extensively in Hebrews 11 of all the different Old Testament saints and all the suffering and the difficulty and the trials that they went through. Literally at the end of Hebrews 11, it's talking about the saints who were sawn in two, beheaded, cut in half, afflicted, killed for the faith. Um, there will be suffering in the Christian life. And the fourth one is discipline, which I'm not going to talk about any this week because that's next week. That'll come up next week with the same idea. Uh, but discipline, um, and yeah. So be prepared for next week. Come back. We're going to learn about discipline. It'll be a great, it'll be a great thing. Um, so now, we understand the conditions of the race. Now we must think through, how do we do it? So we know what, what's, we know what to expect. We can expect endurance. We expect we have a race to run, that God's sovereign, that we can trust in Him, that we'll be faithful in it uh, all the way through. We have these, you know, this uh, set before us. But how do, we, how do we do it? How do we execute the race? How do we execute the run? Well, look back with me um, at verse, at the top of, yeah, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those that came before us in Hebrews 11, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us lay aside every weight and sin. So in thinking through running, right, there's, there's two categories here the author is giving us. The first is weights. So there's something that's heavy, some weight out there, and then there's sin. So we're going to deal with these separately to an extent. Uh, so the first one is weight. So, so what is the author getting at there? Who in here has ever done some kind of run or endurance event with weight, either carrying them on their back, something? Okay. Now, obvious question, is it harder or easier to do that or do it with no weight? Right? I, th I think everybody's tracking. It's a lot harder to put weight on, right? When you go on for a ruck, which I'll explain what that is, as I was telling somebody earlier this week, and they're like, what in the world is that? So in the Army, we call rucking. We have our rucksack, our big backpack, if you will. That's burnt, you know, it hurts my heart to say backpack, but big backpack, and you put a bunch, all your ammo and all your, you know, stuff in there. It gets really heavy, and then you go for a walk, because you got to, you know, be able, mobile on your feet and be able to carry whatever it is that you have with you. 
And that is a lot harder to do than if I just went for the same walk without any weight on my back and without carrying a, you know, a 30-pound um, weapon with me, if not, which is the 240. It's very heavy. It's very frustrating, too. But it works great when you get it up and running. So you can move through some, some rounds really quick. Um, anyway, um, it's really fun to shoot really loud and intimidating. But I digress. So weight, right? It's harder. It's harder to run with excess weight on us. And so when we consider the Christian life, once again, weight and sin. So it seems that there's two categories. There's a category of things that are heavy and that weigh us down, that slow us down, that hinders our ability to run the race, but aren't sinful necessarily. And then there's the other category of things that are sinful, that do cling closely to us. And we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But still, in thinking through this idea of weight, like what is that? How does that work? And, And is it really that detrimental to our um, being faithful and living the Christian life. When I got married um, four years ago, that was when I, once we got married in August, started senior year of college. That was the first year, I guess, in my life or adult life or whatever, that I really had no obligation to be physically fit. Like I wasn't really training for anything anymore. I did pre camp the year before, which, if you don't know what that is, it's like the most important year if you're in the core. It's your junior year. It's really long. Do a lot of extra training and things like that. Did that. Did the summer training at Fort Knox. Got back. Got married a month later. And then was senior and up there. Didn't have to really go to PT. It was really easy, right? So I didn't really work out because I didn't have to. First, I took a fitness sabbatical for about 10 months. I also ate and drank everything that was under the sun, uh, including three to four Mountain Dews a day. So I got on a really, you know hardcore Mountain Dew kick, uh, thanks to my wife, and uh, yeah, I don't blame her for that. There's, there's a story behind that, but we'll get to that later, or we won't get to that later, but ask me later. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not talking about it today, but anyway, three or four Mountain Dews, right? Uh, so what do you think happened over that 10-month fitness sabbatical of me not working out for the first time in my life and drinking three to four Mountain Dews a day and eating Oreos for breakfast, right, which I also did in the same sphere of time. Uh, it was, um, yeah, it was like one of those, like, yeah, it's not going to catch up with me. I'm, I'm like, I've had abs for a long time. I've run. Well, the abs went in the cooler that year. They disappeared. Uh, it was, uh, they were gone and never came back. So, um, but anyway, I make that point because over that period of time of making all those decisions, those decisions weren't sinful, right? That wasn't sinful per se for me to drink Mountain Dew and eat Oreos. Uh, but the effects that it had over the course of the 10 months, led me to gain like 15 pounds or something. And then when, when I took my PT test uh, to finish the year in like April, uh, I did pass, but that pass is about all I did, which was the first time in my life that I've ever done that. It's also the first time in five years that I'd never maxed the run, right? It had some serious effects. I, I passed by the skin of my teeth, um, but that was about it. And so the point there, right, it wasn't sinful for me to do that, but it had serious effects on my ability to run over the course of time. And if I didn't make changes then to reverse course and to start to make other decisions, then that trajectory would have continued and that would have continued to hinder my ability to run well and to do other things. And it would continue to slow me down. So that's where the weight idea comes in is it's not necessarily sinful, but it is very unhelpful in our ability to run the race and be faithful in the Christian life. And so I, you know, I asked you, what, what in your life is weighing you down that maybe not be sinful, but is weighing you down in your ability to run the race and your ability to 
be faithful in uh, the Christian life. And so one of the ways to kind of think through that is what hinders your ability to run? What hinders your ability to run the race? I might be getting ahead of myself, but the, the question, and we'll transition to sin here in a moment, but the question shouldn't be in life, we think through the Christian life, okay, is it sinful, yes or no? Okay, no, it's not sinful. Okay, then I can do it. Perfect. I, I, I passed the, the test. It's not sinful, so it's good. Perfect. Let's go do it. Drink three, four boundaries today. You know, like, that, that's, not the answer, that's not the question we should ask. It shouldn't be, what's the lowest common denominator I can choose in life and then still make it and be okay? That's, that's not the way that we should live. No, we should ask the question, does it help me run the race? Does it help me run? Does it help me be faithful in all things? That's the question we should ask, not the lowest thing that we can possibly ask, but we should take that next step and think through what helps me run, what gets in the way of me running the race. So I think one, I'm hesitant to give too many examples of this because in this category, I believe there's differences in all of us in terms of what is a weight for me may even not be a weight for you in most of these categories of things that are, that are weights. Um, but the one example I will share is um, Macy and I have, and, and Riley too have come to like Survivor. If you've ever watched the show Survivor, it's become pretty interesting. Um, I know it's been out for like 21 years, but we just discovered it 21 years later. Uh, but either way, that's new to us. And so um, we've been watching it, and it's, you know, it's a pretty clean show. There's not really any major issues with it or anything for the most part. But one of the things that it's done, at least in this season of life, of trying to figure out, you know, baby and different things is how do we fit in family worship in our schedule with having Ruth and with the different things of reading the Word together and praying and doing it consistently. Well, I mean, in all reality, like the way the schedule works out during the week, it's just like, okay, we're home, we're tired, we want to eat dinner, cook dinner, let's watch Survivor, take care of Ruth. Next thing we know, it's like, okay, time to put her to bed. Right, so then that just it's getting in the way for us at least of of doing that and being faithful in that, being consistent in it, and that's something that I want to do that I know is beneficial and helpful uh, over the long term and important. Um, and so, Survivor, right, and watching that, wanting to watch that on at least some nights of the week, that's it's not sinful per se, but it is getting in the way of me doing what I really want to do. So we need to make, like, I need to take steps in fixing that. Does that make sense? Like, it's not necessarily that we're never going to watch it again or got to cut it out entirely or it's sinful and wrong, but it is getting in the way of something that's going to help us run better and is going to pay dividends over the course of our, my life, my wife's life, and our kids' life, Ruth and, Lord willing, our future kids as well, and starting that and getting that going and getting that set in stone. And so that's the only example I'm going to give because I don't want to give too many it varies, but think through that. What in your life hinders your ability to run? What gets in the way? What slows you down? What sucks all your time away? That's just not helpful use of time. What, what, what is it? And so I encourage you over the next, uh, over today and the next week to really think through that and work through and pray through, talk to your spouse, talk to your friends about what that may be. And so in transitioning, Sin. So the next part is sin. So sin that clings so closely. And I think this one, you know, is, is pretty straightforward, right? If, when we're in sin of some sort or, or a variety of them or something, it clearly hinders our ability to run the race. 
it hinders our ability to be diligent in our spiritual disciplines, hinders relationships that we have with people. It obviously hinders our relationship with the Lord because that gets in the way of, again, being faithful and doing all the different things. I, th- I think that's, you know, pretty well known and understood. And so uh, I think a, an important first step in this, right, we're thinking about laying aside weights and laying aside sin so that we can run better, run the race better. And so in, in doing that, the first step in, in identifying or removing weights and removing sin is identifying it, right? If you can't see it, you can't kill it for the most part, right? You can't kill the sin and work to kill the sin in the Spirit through the Word if you can't see it. Even with all of our modern tech, with our military and missiles and all kinds of technology and things, most of the time we still need somebody on the ground with a laser or with getting eyes on something so that you can fly the missile and hit the right target. Even today, most of the time, we still need special forces on the ground to see, to make sure that it gets there. We need that redundancy. Even with all of our tech that we have, that is still a necessary thing, being able to see and identify the target to kill it. It's the same thing here. If you can't see, if you don't know what sin is clinging so closely, or you don't know what weights are weighing you down, then how can you possibly take any steps to kill it and remove it? It's just like if you are carrying a rucksack, like we talked about earlier, it's heavy, and you're like, man, I'm ready to, I'm ready to unload this thing. Take it off, open it up, and you're like, I don't, I don't see anything. Why is, this, why is this dang thing so heavy? You know, and you're like, there's nothing to pull out. Well, then you can't do anything about it because you don't know what, what's there. I don't know how great, I don't know if that worked or not, but regardless, if you can't see it, you can't do anything about it. That's the point. Um, and so the first step is identifying the sin that clings so closely. And in thinking through running the race, it's not about running the race comparing to others or trying to beat out others. That's not the point. The point is to finish faithfully and finish well. And so in tying that together with this idea of, of sin is an important role within the church and within family groups in general is, is being able to lovingly rebuke one another or lovingly ask questions when you see something in someone's life that may very well be sin or may just be a great hindrance in their ability to run. You don't do this out of malice or anything like that, but it's generally out of love for the, the other person. Um, and that's where the importance of us running the race together as a church, as a family, and helping one another to run well. An example of this is about two and a half years ago-ish, uh, Gabe and Ricky were giving me some feedback on sermon and some different things, and they started asking some questions. And Basically, what came out of it is I've realized that, because the Spirit convicted me pretty hard, that I can be very pointed on a lot of my uh, opinions and things that I care a lot about and the way that I deliver um, or communicate a lot of those things. And a lot of other things kind of came out through that. But ultimately, a lot of growth came from that situation. It obviously hurt and was difficult to, you know, come to terms with that all the different things that the Holy Spirit revealed. Um, but that's been an ongoing battle since then, that I now see that I have to be very careful in how I communicate certain things because I can be very pointed sometimes at not meaning to, and it can lead to, you know, hurting people around me. Um, again, not meaning to, but it still happens, right? And so that's still on me to work through. And so even since then, it's still an ongoing battle to guard my tongue, guard my thoughts, and to make sure I communicate things well. Um, and I still do not do it perfectly by any means. But 
the point there is I, under, I, I see that as a weakness and as something that I must be careful of and cognizant of. And thankfully, I became aware of it because two brothers came and started asking some questions, and that came about. And then I was, again, convicted by the Spirit and started to see and understand how that kind of unfolded in various ways. And I've, since then, again, it's the point, what part of the point in bringing that up is it's in the sin, in things that cling so closely. It's not necessarily about, okay, I see it, I'm laying it aside, never going to deal with it again because I just, it's gone, right? That may be the case on certain sins in certain cases, but all of us have a predisposition to sin or to some sins or sin in general that we're just naturally going to cling to, if that makes sense. And so, the first step is identifying what those are so that you can fight against it and not accept that that is the reality that's there. We must fight our sin, and the first step is identifying what it is. So, what sin in your life is plaguing your life? What is weighing you down and tripping you up and making you essentially eat the pavement as you try to run consistently? What in your life constantly gets at you, what you're constantly fighting against. And if you don't know what sins that you're prone to commit and that lie closely to you that you are constantly having to fight and press against and work, you know, work to keep out of your life, then you don't know what they are because all of us have them. But it's our ability to fight and consistently work against them coming into our life. But you need to know what they are. And if you can't think of any, you're probably not seeing some of them or at least one or something. So I want to encourage you to think through and pray through and talk with people close to you, your spouse, your close friend, somebody, and working through that um, and being accountable to them. So let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run the race that is set before us. But the next question is, how do we endure? So, okay, we're going to run. We're going to lay aside every weight and sin. We're going to work towards that. We know we've got to run a long way. We know we've got to pace. We know we've got to think through these things. But how do we, how do we maintain that over the, the, the length of the run? How do we endure the race? Look with me at the end of verse 1, and we're going to read the, the rest. Let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So, in thinking through how do we endure, when you run a race or you do a competition or you work through something physically, it's key to, to, to look at the goal. What is the goal you're working towards in that? And is everybody, all right, who's in here has run some kind of distance race? I know I asked that earlier, but like a longish race, three miles or more or something like that. Okay, so I, th- I think everybody in here that's done that will understand that when you run in that way, some kind of distance, you typically, at some point in the race or in the run, you're going to hit a wall. Well, that's how we talk about it a lot. You hit a wall, right? And you've got to persevere through the wall, and then eventually you get that second wind, and then you can just kind of run forever. Um, and the wall depends on how far you're running and different things. But the point there is we're all going to experience adversity in the run. We're all going to experience adversity in life, things that are difficult, things that are hard, the suffering, various other things. And when that happens, we need to be reminded of what we're working towards, what we're looking to, who the prize is uh, as we do that. And so as we look to the prize, as we look to the goal, our goal, our prize is Christ. 
Verse 2 says, looking to Jesus. Let us run the race that I set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We must look to Him as we run. We run looking ahead. It's what Gabe preached about two, two sermons ago, or last week. Sometime recently, I think it was last week. Um, the idea that we look ahead, that we look to the resurrection of the body, that we look to being in heaven forever with the Lord. And that is how we continue to move through difficult seasons of life. We back up, look at the big picture of what we're looking at, know that this life is temporary, that it's going to end, and that there's more to come. We must do that, and we look to Jesus as we do it. And he's the founder of the faith because he's, he, he's the Son of God, right? He's he, he was there before the foundation of the world. He was there when the foundation of the world was laid. He's been present throughout the Old Testament and moving and doing various things. He came, he died, he rose again. He atoned for our sins on the cross and laid that cornerstone, therefore, the faith that all of us who are believers have. He is the founder of the faith. He is who we look to. He is also the perfecter of the faith, which that's, that's not getting at you know, that word can be a little confusing there, but it's not getting at, okay, there's something lacking in the face, and now he's trying to perfect it. No, it's his ongoing mediating and interceding between us and the Father. It's his ongoing work that he is doing on our behalf until he comes back um, to make all things new. So it's his ongoing work. So he's the founder, he's the perfecter of the faith. And notice again in the middle of verse 2, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Joy. Who in the world would thought you put joy and the cross in the same sentence? I mean, nobody, right? Because that is the most horrendous way to die is the cross. And he did it for the joy that was set before him. It didn't say out of obligation or because his boss told him to or because his dad made him or whatever, or he got bribed. No, no, no. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I think that's easy for us to maybe overlook, and I'm probably not going to do it justice here, but who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Christ also looked to the goal, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And then he sat down. And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. We talked about that back in Hebrews 1, this idea of a king sitting down. Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father. It is finished. The work on the cross is finished. The redemptive work on the cross is finished. The king sat down. And then look at verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. His endurance on the cross made it so that we, as we run the race, as we live the Christian life, may not grow weary or faint-hearted. When you run a long race, again, going back to that, when you, when you do a really long one, like 50 miles, 100 miles, something like that, you've you, you got to really plan ahead, right? Because when you run a 5K, you don't have to really plan that much for water, food, sleep, any of that kind of stuff. You just do it, it's over, you move on. When you do a 50-miler plus you got to think about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. you got to think about all these things so that you can endure the race. If you neglect all of those variables and just say, oh, no, I'm just going to run 100 miles and not eat, drink, not sleep, not do literally anything, 
you're not going to make it, right? It's not, you're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. So, in thinking through endurance, Christ went before us, endured the cross, so that we may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We can go to our Savior who endured the cross for all, like we can go to Him for all things. He can resonate with us well. Hebrews gets at this earlier in the book, but He can resonate with our afflictions, our sufferings, our difficulty, our problems because he walked through that as well, and he went to the cross for our sin. So he can resonate and mediate for us so that we may endure and not grow weary or faint-hearted so that we can make it to the end. So as we start to land the plane, uh, turn with me to Hebrews 10. It's the end of Hebrews 10. I want to turn there for a moment. And as you turn there, the author of Hebrews is really getting at this transition to Hebrews 11 which also then ties into our chapter today. So Hebrews 10, verse 35 says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that, you may not, so, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And then that chapter ends, and we see multiple examples in Hebrews 11 of all the Old Testament saints who lived by faith. And then we transition to our chapter, Hebrews 12, right now. Thinking through this, we run the Christian life by faith. If we are to glorify, if our purpose in life is to glorify God in all things, the only way we're going to do that is if we are faithful in all things. Those two do not happen. You don't glorify God without also being faithful to Him in all things. And so as we run the race, the righteous will live by faith. And we are those who have faith and preserve their souls. I think this will be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26, this is Paul writing, says this, Do not... Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. In thinking through and in concluding the sermon and in thinking through the Christian life, we don't we don't live the Christian life aimlessly. We're not, we're not here to just happy-go-lucky, we're just glad to be here, we don't know what's going on. We do know what's going on because we have God's Word, right? We have a purpose in this life. Every single one of us has a purpose in living this Christian life. We don't do it aimlessly, we do it with a purpose. We run with a purpose. It's like when you're running a race, the purpose is to finish the race, right? It's not to go get a Big Mac on the way or to just deviate course. We run the race with purpose. And so that, again, ties back to the idea and what we talked about with Matt and Tia, you know, the CrossFitters, right, who oriented their whole life around winning the games. For us, in running this race, we don't do it aimlessly. We do it with a purpose. So in thinking through how we live our life, we must do it with purpose and with the goal of finishing the race well and doing it faithfully so that 
we can say with Paul, as he says in 2 Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That should be our goal, that when we get to the end of our life, or when our life ends, others can say that I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So however long God keeps each and every one of us on this earth, our goal should be when we get to the end, we can say with Paul, I finished the race, I fought the good fight, I have kept the faith, and that others around us can also testify that we did that as well because of the life that we lived and running the race faithfully. So let us go from here, fight the good fight, fight the good fight, run the race, finish well, and keep the faith. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for this time we're able to come together to worship you. Father, thank you for your word and all it has to say to us in Hebrews. Father, help us to understand the Christian life and our purpose in it, that we are living this life with purpose, that you have given us a purpose, that we are to glorify you in all things, which requires us to also then be faithful in all things. Help us, Lord, to think through our life, think through the weights that are in our life, think through the sin that clings so closely in us. Help us to see and understand what those things are. If we have a problem, you know, with identifying them, help us to see them. I pray that your spirit would move and make it clear to us uh, the things that we need to see, the things that we need to lay aside. Help us, Lord, to just run the race well. Help us in your spirit as we do so. Help us rely on your spirit and your word to trust in you as we run the race, as we seek to be faithful to you in all things. Help us, Lord, just continue to think about this today and this week. As we continue to think through this, help us set um, a, a pattern, a discipline of periodically coming back to this principle. Because life changes, uh, things change, um, work, job, family, kids, various things shift in life, and we have to take time when that happens to do this, to evaluate what weight and sin we have in life and how we can better run the race and be faithful to you. I pray that you'll make these things clear and that you will move in our hearts, in our minds, our affections for you, and that we will know you and love you more and glorify you in all that we do.